Sri Sai Sacharitra, The Wonderful Life and Teachings of Shirdi Sai Baba, by Hamadpant, a modern rendering by Monica Pinakanda. Guru Chapter 20 In this chapter, Himad Pant describes how Kakasaheb's maidservant solved Dasganu's problem. The Kindness of Baba Sai was originally formless. He assumed a form for the sake of devotees. With the help of the actress Maya, He played the part of the actor in this big drama of the universe. Let us remember and visualize Sri Sai. Let us go to Shirdi and carefully see the programs following the noon arti. After the arti was over, Baba used to come out of the masjid and standing on its edge, distribute Udi, his sacred ash, to the devotees with very kind and loving looks. The devotees got up with equal fervor, clasped his feet, and standing and staring at him, enjoyed the shower of Udi. Baba passed handfuls of Udi into the palms of the devotees and used it to mark their foreheads with his own fingers. The love he bore for them was boundless. He addressed the devotees as follows. O Bao, go take your lunch. You, Anna, go to your lodgings. You, Bapu, go enjoy your meals. In this way, he approached each of the devotees, then sent them home. Even now, you can enjoy these sights if you bring your imagination into play. You can visualize and appreciate them. Now, bringing Baba before our mental vision, let us meditate on him, from his feet upwards to his face, prostrating before him humbly, lovingly, and respectfully. A brief explanation of the Ishavasya Upanishad. Dasganu started to write a Marathi commentary on the Ishavashya Upanishad. Let us first give a brief idea of this Upanishad before proceeding further. It is called a Mantra Upanishad as it is embodied in the mantras of the Vedic Samhita. It constitutes the last or the 40th chapter of the Yajur Veda. 
and is regarded as superior to all other Upanishads. Not only this, other Upanishads are considered to be commentaries on the truths mentioned briefly in the Ishavasya Upanishad. Professor R. D. Renade says, The Ishopanishad, the Ishavasya Upanishad, is quite a small Upanishad, yet it contains many hints that show extraordinarily piercing insight. Within the short range of 18 verses, it gives a valuable mystical description of the Atman, the universal soul, a description of the ideal sage whose mind stands unruffled by temptations and sorrows. It gives an outline of the doctrine of karma yoga. And finally, an understanding of the claims of knowledge and work. The most valuable idea that lies at the root of the Upanishad is that of a logical synthesis between the two opposites of knowledge and work. According to the Upanishad, a higher synthesis of both knowledge and work is required. In another place, he says, the poetry of the Ishopanishad is a mixture of the moral, mystical, and metaphysical. From the brief description given above about this Upanishad, anyone can see how difficult it is to translate this Upanishad into a common vernacular and describe its exact meaning succinctly. Dasganu translated it in Marathi, verse by verse, but as he did not comprehend the real essence of the Upanishad, he was not satisfied with his translation. In order to clarify his doubts and questions, he consulted some learned men regarding the difficulties he was having with meanings in the text. Although they discussed these issues at great length, they did not resolve his doubts, nor give any rational or satisfactory explanations. So Dasganu was restless and uneasy. Baba's grace makes understanding the Ishavasya Upanishad possible. As we have seen, this Upanishad is the quintessence of the Vedas. It is the science of self-realization. It is the weapon that can rip the bondage of life and death to pieces and make us free. Therefore, Dasganu thought, only he who has attained self-realization can give him the true interpretation of the Upanishad. When nobody could satisfy Dasganu, he resolved to consult Sai Baba about this. When he had an opportunity to go to Shirdi, he prostrated before Baba and told him of his difficulties with the Ishavasya Upanishad. He asked Baba to give the correct explanation. Baba blessed him and said, You need not be anxious. There is no difficulty in this matter. Kakasaheb's maidservant will solve your doubts at vile parley on your way home. The people who were present and heard this thought that Baba was joking and said, How could an illiterate maidservant solve the difficulties of this mystic nature? But Dasganu thought otherwise. He was sure that whatever Baba spoke must come true. 
Baba's word was the decree of the Almighty. Happiness depends on our attitude. Fully believing in Baba's words, he left Shirdi and went to Vile Parley, a suburb of Mumbai, and stayed with Kaka Saheb. The next day, when Dasganu was enjoying his morning nap, he heard a poor girl singing a beautiful song in clear and melodious tones. The subject matter of the song was a crimson-colored sari, how nice it was, how fine its embroidery was, and how beautiful its ends and borders were. He liked the song so much that he went out to look at the young girl singing it. It was Kakasaheb's maidservant. The girl was cleaning vessels and had only a torn rag on her body. On seeing her impoverished condition and her jovial temperament, Dasganu felt pity for her. The next day, when Rao Bahadur gave Dasganu a pair of dotars, he asked him also to give a sari to the poor little girl. Bahadur then bought a good sari and presented it to her. Like a starving person getting good food to eat, her joy knew no bounds. The next day, she wore the new sari and in great joy and merriment, whirled and danced around and played with other girls, outshining them all. But then the following day, she kept the new sari in a box at home and wore the old and torn rag again. But still, she looked as happy as on the previous day. On seeing this, Dasganu's pity was transformed into admiration. He thought the girl, being poor, had to wear a torn rags. But now, with her new sari in reserve, she put the old rags back on again, but walked around showing no trace of sorrow or unhappiness. He realized then that all our feelings of pain and pleasure depend on the attitude of our mind. On thinking deeply over this incident, he realized that a man should enjoy whatever God has bestowed on him with the firm conviction that God controls everything from the back, front, and all sides, and that whatever is bestowed on him by God must be for his own good. In this particular case, the impoverished condition of the poor girl, her torn rags, and the new sari, the donor, the person donating, and the donation were all parts of God and pervaded by Him. Dasganu received a practical demonstration of the lesson of the Upanishad, the lesson of contentment with one's own lot, and the belief that whatever happens is ordained by God and is ultimately good for us. Baba's Unique Way of Teaching From the above incident, the reader can see that Baba's method was unique and varied. Though Baba never left Shirdi, he sent some to Machindraga, some to Kolhapur or Sholapur to practice sadness. To some, he appeared in his usual form. To some, he appeared in waking or dreaming states, day or night, and satisfied their desires. 
It is impossible to describe all the methods that Baba used in imparting instructions to his bhaktas. In this particular case, he sent Dasganu to Vyoparle, where his problem was solved through the maidservant. To those who say that it was not necessary to send Dasganu away, and that Baba could have personally taught him, we say that Baba followed the right or best course. How else could Dasganu have learned a great lesson? That the poor maidservant and her sari were pervaded by the Lord. Now we will close the chapter with another beautiful extract about this Upanishad. Realize the oneness of all things. One of the main features of the Ishavasha Upanishad is the ethical advice it offers. It is interesting to note that the ethics of the Upanishad are definitely based on the metaphysical position advanced in it. The very opening words of the Upanishad tell us that God pervades everything. As a corollary from this metaphysical position, the ethical advice it offers is that a man should enjoy whatever God bestows on him in the firm belief that as God pervades everything, whatever God bestows on him must be good. It naturally follows that the Upanishad should forbid us from coveting another man's property. In fact, we are appropriately taught a lesson of contentment with one's own lot in the belief that whatever happens is divinely ordained and is therefore good for us. Another moral advice is that man must be in a mood of always accepting his will while doing actions, especially the karmas spoken of in the Shastras. Inactivity, according to this Upanishad, would be the canker of the soul. It is only when a man spends his lifetime doing actions in this manner that he can hope to attain the feeling of non-doership in action. Finally, the text goes on to say that a man who sees all beings in the self and sees the self as existing in all beings, how can such a man suffer infatuation? What ground would such a man have for grief? Hatred, infatuation, and grief proceed from our not being able to see the Atman in all things. But a man who realizes the oneness of all things, for whom everything has become the self, must, by this very fact, cease to be affected by human weaknesses. Pranams to Sri Sai. Peace be to all.